0: I'm Jason from Smoking and Drinking in Space, a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And I'm Rob from Smoking and Drinking in Capes, a superhero podcast from a couple guys who wish they had powers. And we're part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. And you can find other cool, awesome, geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com welcome to episode 266 of better podcasting on this show we embrace our community by providing something back
1: in this week's better podcasting download we discuss podcast crowdfunding
0: and finally in this week's better Podback we round up some of the feedback about last episode's video episode Lauren start
1: the show now you're the shining star of this podcast.
2: This is Better Podcasting. We are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast.
1: Yes, you've reached episode 266 of Better Podcasting. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is the wonderful S.P.
0: Even an SP can't come to the phone right now. But if you'd like to leave your name and message after the beep, we'll get back to you as soon as we can.
1: Beep. That's an awkward way to start a podcast. Uh, Yeah, we're here to talk about some hobby podcasting things. If you haven't checked out the show before, we'd encourage you to check out the full back catalog. And if you didn't know about this, there is indeed a video companion to all of our episodes. If you'd like to see our mugs, well, first off, you might want to check yourself a little bit because why would you want to see our mugs but if you do uh, you can go on over to betterpodcasting.com and check that out and you can also interact with us over on our discord server at betterpodcasting.com discord today we've got a bit of a fun episode because in the past we've talked about how podcasting can help you build a community however if you follow a similar path to our podcasting endeavors you might find that you want to build a podcast based on interactions that you've had within an existing community. For example, you may be a part of a Facebook group or a Discord server that shares a common theme. You may want to build a podcast out of the relationships that you have built within that group. Maybe you're a part of a local community that gathers to play D&D and you think, hey, this would be a great podcast. So you want to build one of those. Or maybe you might even be a part of some form of community event program that you think might benefit from having a podcast whatever the case may be there are some considerations that you probably want to have when you're starting a podcast from an existing community and today we want to talk about and point out some of the things that you might want to consider when you are going to create a podcast that stems from a community that already exists
0: let's begin by talking about the obvious the question can you officially start a podcast for this community If the community is not one that you've created, it's not one that you've blood, sweat, and tears built from the ground up. It's just one that you're a member of. You should find out what the rules are for the community that you're looking to start the podcast for. Who do you have to talk to? Who's in charge? Is this something that they're interested in, whoever they are? Do they have any specific ass? And you should consider if you want to start a podcast for somebody else's community in the beginning. For example, are you okay building a product for somebody else's organization, brand, their business, whatever? You are now building something that is now a product of somebody else's idea. At first, you might think this is a bad idea, but community programs often rely on group efforts for the common good. For example, somebody might create a community event that they help drive the operation for a couple of years before somebody takes over the reins. This might be the same for a podcast. This might be your contribution to help the greater good for your community, at least for a while, however long that while is. If you are going to build for somebody else, though, you need to consider all the factors. First, operate like it's not yours. It's probably not. Who's going to pay for it? who's responsible for organizing the time, the schedule, what support do you need from other community members and putting on the podcast, and then what is the succession plan? We'll talk about this later, but if you have a set amount of time you want to do the podcast, make sure the community members know that up front, that this is not going to be perpetual. And are there certain considerations or rules the community needs you to follow? These are all considerations That you're going to have to go through if you're building a podcast in somebody else's community or just one that you belong into. Other things to consider include legalities of playing in somebody else's creative pond, so to speak, like copyrights, trademarks, and likenesses. We're not attorneys, but you have to consider these questions. Are you able to use the community artwork? We'll discuss this later. Can you use the organization's title in your title? And we'll also talk about this later. We just wanted to point out there's legal discussions or legal considerations you need to take into consideration. Not to mention the standard revenue agreements that you have with any podcast, creative control agreements and funding decisions that you'll have to make within the podcast team itself to begin with. And if it is your own community, one that you've started and then you start a podcast out of there you should consider some of these things as well. It's not isolated to somebody else's community. What rules have you helped establish for the community? You don't want your podcast to come off as do as I say, not as I do, and you flaunt the rules by having a podcast about the community when one of the rules of the community is no podcast about the community. I'm just using that as an example, but it could happen. And here's another example. If you have a long-standing tradition of creating other community projects through community interaction, you may want to apply those standards to this podcast creation as well.
1: But there is a third option that you got on the table, and I, I, I like this one. And, and it's to create a podcast that stems out of the community, but isn't directly associated with the community. For example, you might be a part of a geeky community, and there might be several people within that community that you regularly discuss Star Trek with. Maybe you create a Star Trek podcast with those folks, but you keep the branding and the operations and everything all independent. In this situation, you're probably going to have some people from the existing community that will come and check it out. As community interest, we'll probably start to talk a little bit about it if there's a few of the community members that are going to be doing a podcast. Fun fact, better podcasting here started out of the Gunna community because SP and I were just both talking regularly offline about podcasting particularly hobby podcasting and sharing some of the same grumblings about some of the podcast advice shows that were out there. So it was a natural fit for us just to create that. At first, it was not like anything directly tied to Guna Geek, but it was sort of spun out of that because we met through Guna Geek, kind of. But if you're going to go this route, there is a huge caveat that you want to think about. And that there might possibly be some challenges that come from this. For example, are members of your community going to feel like you're going behind their back as you create this podcast? Obviously, you're probably not meaning to, probably just a misunderstanding, but sometimes people perceive things that way. Or are people going to be left feeling a little bit excluded if all of a sudden a podcast starts up that was not directly tied to the community? Or maybe the people that run the community, they might feel like, hey, what are you doing here? Should you have maybe given those community leaders a bit of a heads up in that situation? These are the sort of things you want to think about if you are going to go this other route, which is people that are associated through a community, but a non-community podcast. Now, you don't have to do that. It's something you should be aware of. You can definitely do what you want on your own time with your own friends and your own acquaintances. But just know, sometimes people do get a little bit hurt when something like that happens. And we've seen it happen.
0: Yeah, I've been hurt when other people have started podcasts without me before, believe it or not. Yes, that, uh, it affects me greatly. And in and, and all joking aside, it does suck when you want to be part of a project and it's not there.
1: We thought it would be odd to have you on the SP Rocks podcast, the one where we talk about all the reasons why you rock.
0: <laughs> yeah, StargatePioneer.rocks. I don't know <laughs> if that exists anymore or not, but it used to at one point in time. Thank you very much. What we wanted to do is discuss some normal things that you want to take into consideration as you're starting a podcast. Some of these also apply as you're forming a podcast out of an existing community. And one of those things that you need to take into consideration or you should take into consideration as you start a podcast is what are the podcast goals? This is something that we have said before needs to be taken into account at the very beginning of a podcast. Write it down. What is your goals? Do you want to develop a community? Do you want to make a million bucks? Do you want to get 300 downloads per episode? You know, whatever the goal is, you need to define that as you're going off. Otherwise, how are you going to figure out if it's a success or not as you go through? This isn't any different than any other podcast. I want to foot stomp that. But if your goal is out of alignment from the community, there's your tie back into the community, then you're going to have an issue. Say the community is a charity. It's a 501c3 as it's deemed here in the United States. And you want to make money with your podcast. Boom, that's out of alignment. So you need to take it into consideration, the goals into consideration. But whatever your goal is and whatever your community is, just stay within those perceived bounds as you develop the show to begin with. And you shouldn't have any long-term issues. And then this takes us to our next topic, How are you going to decide who is going to be a part of this podcast? Even alluded to that before, but let's talk a little bit more about this. If it's not a natural situation like the aforementioned examples, who has the most interest in creating a podcast? Who is willing to commit to this podcast? Who's going to have the right chops for podcasting? And what sort of dynamics, not dynamic microphone, dynamics as in personability, do you want to have for the podcast? For example, you may want a variety of opinions on the show, so you may need to fill the seats based on that. You don't want all the people, all the entire panel, if you're doing a panel-type podcast, you don't want them all to be the same. That would be a boring show. You want some interaction. You want some different viewpoints, especially if it's a reflection of the community.
1: It's why we had to shut down the SP Rocks podcast because everybody loved you. There was nobody that would take a counter opinion.
0: Well, there was the people that didn't like the SP without a beard. Although I think that's everybody too, so.
1: But there was, there was still a general agreement that even without the beard, you were still fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Moving on, you may need to talk to people about their thoughts or do a screening process as at first as you're looking at who's going to be on this podcast team. And in order to do that, you can do things like test sessions. You can have people create demos, a lot like with audio dramas. They want to see demos. You can do the same thing with a podcast. Hey, talk for five minutes about this subject. Send it in. I want to see how you are on microphone. Find out if people have experience podcasting. If so, check out their work. That's a podcasting resume, pod chaser, whatever. Go and look and see what they've already done. Do they fit what you want to do within this community? And ask them what their thoughts are about the podcast. And it does it align with your vision? And then again, does it align with the vision from the community that you're creating the podcast for? And this is another thing that I think you should take into consideration, although it's not a yes or no limitation. It's do they have acceptable equipment to podcast long-term? It's something that could easily be corrected. You can go to Amazon Sweetwater Guitar Center or whatever and get the gear that you need. So that's not a definitive, do you need to have this? But if you're looking at it from the standpoint of are they committed to podcast? then having the gear to podcast already is a good indicator. But you could also set up the podcast in a manner that rotates people in and out, especially if it is based on this community that you're a member of. Now, keep in mind that podcast listeners may prefer familiarity. So you may want to keep it to a few mainstays, a few like one or two permanent hosts, maybe three hosts or whatever. But then you can rotate people through the show while you figure out who are the mainstays, and then maybe have one or two rotating seats. In my opinion, this is just my opinion, you might not want to do more than four people on the show because of overtalk and production and stuff like that, but that's up to you. There's no right or wrong in podcasting. There's only best practices, and in my viewpoint, having edited a lot of shows, four is about the limit for a normal best practice show.
1: With a couple exceptions, and, you know, of course, audio dramas are another exception, probably not a natural spin out for a community, but the one that might be is maybe tabletop gaming podcasts. Those there might have a little bit more, but you got to, you got to structure those a little bit. And hey, if you are wanting to ask about that sort of thing, what you should do is you should come over to the discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash discord and talk to Damian, the DM. He's going to give you the lowdown.
0: As far as audio dramas, if you're in a local theater group, that's a community itself too. So you can create a podcast out of that, whether it's for looking for opportunities to act and to audition and stuff like that, or if it's actually to create an audio drama. So even there, you can have a podcast based on the community. You're absolutely right. A cast on an audio drama can be 12, 20 people or something like that. You're absolutely right.
1: If you're building a podcast for a community that you don't own, you should think about assigning roles for these people. And that fits right into this conversation. Because communities often work well when responsibilities and roles are defined. Apply this idea to your podcast. Some examples of ways you might assign roles to your podcast. Who's going to lead the interfacing with the community, such as notifications, soliciting feedback, booking community members as guests, scheduling? Deconflicting from other community events. This comes up a lot, especially with large communities. Who's going to be in charge of integrating the podcast into the community's internet presence? Maybe there's a website or a Discord server, subreddit, et cetera, et cetera. Who's going to be responsible for booking outside guests relevant to the community? Who's going to be in charge of soliciting donations if that applies? Who's going to be in charge of editing and doing prep work before you record? These are all things that you could maybe apply your existing community structure of dividing and conquering to your podcast. But no matter what type of community you're building your podcast out of, it's a good idea to think about how it's going to help enhance your community going forward. This is because a community podcast likely will help support the community it's for, at least on some level. For example, will the material cover the community itself? If not, how is it going to tie back to the community? Will there be updates about the community or guests within the community or sourcing content from the community? You might have some ad reads or promotion throughout your podcast for the community. Maybe it's going to somehow incorporate announcing community events, maybe such as fundraising. These are all little ways that you might think about incorporating that community into your podcast. With that said, SP, we want to make an emphasis here, right?
0: We believe it's totally okay to have a community podcast that is not entirely centered around the community. For example, you belong to a sci-fi community and it has a Star Trek podcast. This can actually be helpful because there's enough interest and resources. You may eventually have multiple community podcasts. For example, a sci-fi community with a Star Wars podcast, a Star Trek podcast, and a Stargate podcast, not Stargate me, I mean Stargate the property. Or you could have a tabletop gaming community and have a couple different podcasts for different particular games. There is at least one Discord server out there that is like that. But also, you should think about what the impact will be on your community for this podcast. There could be some negative effects from starting a podcast for it. For example, Will people think that the topic for an official community podcast be the central focus of the greater community? Is that then going to shift the community? For example, a podcast is something that is being pitched to a mass audience. That mass audience might join your existing community. And then will that impact the feel of your community? It's a bunch of new people coming in. It's going to change that. Will they be more likely to discuss the podcast within the community? Will it shape your community in a different direction than it's been up to this point? And let's face it, will those new people just be jerks? The reality is every podcaster tends to have an experience with some listeners who are just not nice people. It's the nature of the beast. Depending on how your community has been created, it might naturally filter out those people, but it might actually draw them in as well. It depends. It could go either way. That might not happen anymore with potential members funneling in from your podcast, basically. It's, you're just creating a whole new community. You might actually be creating a subset of the community that's larger than what the initial community was. So it just takes over everything. Next, let's talk about the infrastructure for your podcast. Depending on the type of community you have, what resources might already exist that might be shared and what might want to be separated. For example, if there's a community website, do you want the podcast worked into that website or do you want a dedicated site for it? And then how much do you want on the website if you do integrate it? Is your artwork going to reflect community or are you going to go completely original? For example, will it incorporate a community logo or color theme? Is it the same theme that could be copyright or trademark Infringement. I'm not a lawyer, but it could be considered that at some point. Right. And depending on the nature of the podcast, are you allowed to use the logo? If so, is the community logo license? And if so, what is it licensed for? It might just be for the community event and not suitable for podcast distribution. There might be rights to the logo. Again, I want to footstop this. We're not lawyers. We never claim to be lawyers, but we would recommend that if you're going to use an existing logo for your podcast, you want to double check all the legalities of that. And you probably want to check specifically with an IP lawyer, not necessarily like a family lawyer or something like that. But what about the physical resources available in the community? If your community is in person, is there equipment you can leverage? For example, is there an existing sound system of decent quality that you can tap into in order to record your podcast? This could be anything from a religious community, a a bar that might have a sound system that you can use during off hours. It could be a ski lodge with a sound system, a stage, you know, performance area. These things exist. And if your community is based around them, then you could possibly use the existing audio equipment. Now, what about marketing and advertising for your podcast? What are the areas within your existing community that can help promote the podcast? Can you tap these? Or is it considered, well, That's a little bit too much for them. Let's not put too much work. A lot of these communities that we're talking about are just fan-based or community or uh, volunteer communities. So yes, you want to get all the help and leverage you can, but you have to really be cognizant not to overpush the boundaries of the availability of the people that are already in the community.
1: Moving on along the lines of this cross-pollination from your existing community, it's worth consideration that you may want to ensure your podcast has a similar feel and tone to the community that exists. For example, let's say that you've got a pretty jovial, lighthearted tone within your existing community. If you're going to start a super serious podcast, that might be a little jarring for the community members to go to. They might feel like, hey, this isn't the community that I know. Or maybe you have a certain type of etiquette established within your community. How's it going to feel to people if that etiquette doesn't translate to your podcast? It might be a bit of a turnoff to them, like literally turning off your podcast. For this reason, we'd recommend that you make an active effort If you are going to start a podcast out of an existing community to incorporate some community familiarity to your podcast when you're developing it.
0: For example, if you had a local organization that cares for a large green space in your neighborhood, you wouldn't want to have that edgy rock and roll feeling to the podcast. Similarly, if you had a podcast based from a hot rod organization, you should probably ditch that NPR style to your show. A show based from a high school athletic association would probably not want to use adult language and content, and a podcast from a hobby podcast community shouldn't talk heavily about monetization. Oh, wait, is that too much on the nose?
1: Oh, I see (laughs) what you did there.
0: (laughs) Moving on. A podcast from a community also would have to match up its release schedule to the tempo of how fast the community moves. If the community is based on a seasonal activity like a summer beer baseball league, you might want to release weekly in the summer and either take a winter hiatus or move to a monthly release schedule when the news is slower. If your podcast covers a volunteer organization for your state fair, and I don't know if you have state fairs up in Canada or not, are they province fairs? Do you have province fairs? I was fairs? say
1: we don't have states.
0: I know you don't have states, but you have provinces. Do you have province fairs? No. Yeah, So it's a U.S. thing. All right. So anyway, if you have a volunteer organization for your state fair, you might want to go daily for the few weeks right before and during the event, but weekly or monthly for the rest of the year. Maybe your community is a neighborhood homeowners association and an episode each season is enough Four episodes a year, or maybe a fifth with the annual homeowners association meeting. As with any podcast, the possibilities for release are not really bounded by anything. There's no right or wrong answer. I've already said that once this episode with podcasting, except what fits the content and your audience the best. You have to figure that out.
1: Now, the next thing that we want to really hit with a heavy hand is that your community very well could influence the format of your podcast. What we mean by that is, will there be, say, a news and announcements To go over in each episode, you might want to add a segment for that. Does your community exist to celebrate a certain type of fandom? Your episodes probably should reflect something about that IP, intellectual property. Did your podcast grow out of a local theater community? Maybe a good scene or two during the podcast would be fun. Also, ask yourself are there any affiliations that should be in line with the community? If the community your podcast grew from is environmentally and green energy based, you probably don't want to have a coal mining sponsor. A flat earth society probably shouldn't use Starlink as an internet connection. And also, it's probably a good idea to pick affiliations with other communities, sponsors and items used in the podcast that do fit your community messages and beliefs. You really want to keep them in mind as you're developing this format to your podcast. You just don't want that hypocrisy coming out when you look at your community versus your podcast.
0: And talking about that, let's talk about your new elevated status within the community. Whether you're official or not, you are now accountable as a public-facing representative of the community. Odds are your podcast won't be a private podcast. Those do exist, but you're listening to better podcasting A lot of people that listen to Better Podcasting, I would say 99.8% do not have a private podcast. So as a public podcast from the community, you are now a spokesman for the community, official or not officially. Remember, and as my dad used to say, don't do anything that you wouldn't want to see on 60 Minutes. Okay. Remember that you might be representing the entire community and need to take everyone's opinion into account as you develop and record your content. Yes, you will have your own opinions, but if there is a significant portion of the community that has a certain viewpoint, you need to reflect that in your content. Also for outsiders, for the community, because as we stated before, this podcast is going out to everyone, not just your community. You will be the voice of it and you will need to take that into consideration or else the community might actually disown you. They might say, no, you're not part of this community anymore. We have no association with you, or we have cut our ties with you, or whatever it is. So just take that into consideration. You are now a spokesman or representative from the community, just because you're talking about it all the time.
1: Now, one of the hallmarks of a good community, and not the Hallmark Channel, is to give back. If your podcast grew out of a community, you want to at least give back to that community in some regard. It could be as simple as public thank yous or gratitude, but also don't forget charities that might align with the community or a lot of the community members. If you are an official or unofficial focal point of the community, providing avenues to be charitable is something that you should at least think about while you're developing your podcast.
0: Yeah, one thing that I did, and it wasn't necessarily as lead of a podcast, but it was part of the community, and you could do this as part of the podcast in the community, it was to organize gifts for community leaders. It's the very least a community can do to recognize those that have been instrumental in the community, whether that's a moderator or whether that's like the president of a charitable organization or a president of a, a sporting event or whatever it is. To give back to those leaders, the podcast is a great central focal point to enable that, to make that happen. So just keep that in mind as you move on. One of the things that I think in terms of since I've been through it is like high school organizations, it doesn't matter what they are. There's some sort of parent organization. Of course, there's the stereotypical PTO, but there's also like athletic associations or the band parent association or the drama parent association, you know, depending on how big your high school is, there's a lot of those. So to give back to the people that are like the president, the secretary, the treasurer of those organizations is pretty big. And if you have a podcast surrounding that, that's just a great focal point to remind mind people to contact whoever maybe it's you to get those donations in to give that gift to the community leaders.
1: It's like when we started the SP Rocks podcast that actually stemmed out of an SP Rocks community meeting and so the podcast actually helped line my pocketbook as the one who created that
0: group. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Steven the crafty Canadian taking <laughs> everybody's money. Uh, which has never happened ever. One of the last things we want to discuss is how do you handle feedback? What are the considerations with that? If most of your feedback is coming from the community, it will probably impact how seriously you take criticisms, and it may impact how you select even positive feedback to read on the show. You're going to have a more personal relationship with your audience in this type of podcast because you're making this podcast from the community. So at least you know the community and you probably know A great number of people in the community, if not everybody in the community. So your audience in that type of podcast, you're going to have to tread a little extra lightly with that when responding to feedback of any kind. Think of this as sort of a family dinner table. You're going to be needing to eat with those same people next night, the night after that, the night after that, Don't make any of this too unpleasant by marginalizing somebody or lashing out at somebody because you were sent bad feedback or a bad review. We've done some episodes on how to handle feedback before. Everything is just amplified in this case because it's a community you're a part of and you know these people in some way, shape, manner, or form, and in some cases for years. So you just have to take this extra cautions when dealing with the feedback.
1: And the last point that we want to talk about today is considering what your off-ramp is for the podcast. Is this podcast a limited engagement or will it be ongoing? Is, if the podcast is going to be ongoing, will you continually be involved with it? Dami Plotky, longtime listener of Better Podcasting and also former guest on the Better Podcasting Chats with SP, he actually told an interesting story over on Better Podcasting Chats with SP where there came a time that he needed to take a break from a show. The show has come back, and it continues with an entirely new set of hosts from when it started. To be fair, the show has been running for years, but Diami is not an active producer or host on the show.
0: As people become less engaged or outgrow a community, it may be time to turn the podcast reins over to others or to end the show. And that's kind of what Diami ended up doing. He does plan on coming back at some point in time to the show, but he's not actively engaged in the show right now. So look for those built-in opportunities before the start of the show. So it can make any future transitions easier when you get to those decision points. And again, my mind goes to something like a parent organization of a high school. It could be a homeowners association organization, or I have a wetlands organization near me. And while each have a term limit because of kids being there or bylaws or whatever, there could be the case where somebody hangs on for a very long time So it just matters where those natural transition points are, your community of when you want to take turn the reins over in your podcast. And is there somebody that you want to groom to take over the podcast? You might want to invite them to be part of the behind the scenes for, I don't know, three or six months before you turn over the podcast for the next year. I don't know if they'll take it over. I don't know if they'll keep it going, but at least you will have left the podcast in a manner that it could continue in the future. As we've described, it can be both like a business-based show in some ways, but much freer, like a hobby podcast in some ways. The trick is just to acknowledge what the limitations are and to work within them or around them as necessary. And remember what your podcast goals are. It's something we said near the top of the show. Don't make the show something that it's not and don't make it something that the community really doesn't want because the community both knows what it wants And it's trusting you to provide them what is reasonable in the end for a podcast. And it wouldn't be better podcasting if we didn't say, remember to have fun with your podcast. Because as long as you have fun, your communities and your listeners are going to have fun with the show too.
1: Hey, SP, here's a question for you. Would you say that if you're a part of a community, that's reflecting your podcast personality?
0: I would absolutely say that because... Being part of the community is your personality.
1: So, if you were to create a podcast out of that community, that would make that podcast a true reflection of your personality as well, wouldn't it? You might say it's your personal influence on the podcast.
0: It it would definitely be your personal influence on the podcast.
2: This is the better podcasting download.
0: This week I wanted to talk about Patreon. Now we don't talk about monetization quite a bit on this show for a lot of different reasons, but Patreon is pretty ubiquitous, especially in hobby podcasts. There's a lot of hobby podcasts out there that decide to monetize on a low level with Patreon. And then there was a article that came out on a blog for Refonic this past week about Patreon and podcasting. Why do businesses shows earn less? Why do business shows earn less? And if you go to the article, it's pretty interesting. Uh, There was an anomaly, I think. I don't know if they've done a great deal of statistic analysis on it, but film history was the most, was the biggest average contributor of Patreon at $89 per month, I think it was. And then it just went down from there. Uh, They took all of the categories and they linked it up to average of what all these podcasts earn on Patreon and film history was pretty big. Comedy was big too. If you read this article, which we'll link in the show notes, you will go to a table on the bottom and it gives the average total pledges per active podcast. And it's all the iTunes directories, uh, the different topics that you can have from politics to science fiction, fashion and beauty, and everything. You get to see the average. And it's based on. 2.5 million podcasts in the Raphonic library, and then the Patreons that they were able to marry up with that. So it seems to me, I couldn't understand if it was really a statistic uh, average or if it was anomalies that they were talking about. Like I said, I, I would love to see their data behind the scenes of how many actual Patreons they were able to link up with the podcast. But I thought this was interesting. The average is not huge, and this is even with business podcasts, right? So first of all, business podcasts you think are going to monetize in different ways. They're going to monetize through sponsorships. They're going to monetize through advertisers, not necessarily monetizing through Patreons, although there are some that do. Daily Tech News Show is one of them that monetizes largely through their Patreon, although they do have ads as well. With a hobby podcast, you're not going to have the downloads generally which is about 10,000 per episode now to really get an ad campaign going where you can really monetize. So you're going to do some sort of crowdfunding. And Patreon is one that is being used by a lot of people. And I just thought this was interesting that the biggest averages were for topics that were more hobbyish and less business-ish.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting article to read through. I would encourage everybody to go ahead and do that. Uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to quote it was actually from the top of the article. It said, um, "Film history podcasts get eighty nine dollars of total monthly pledges on average." And then, what's interesting about that? So we've this article's d- determined and established that film history podcasts are more than the average is is what it comes down to. But what it points out is, it says that, however. Film history is quite a small category, and it has a couple of standout shows that skew the figure. The publisher of, quote, The Definitive Companion, end quote, earns $32,000 per month, and Talking Simpsons earns $17,300. Again, the average that they've determined, even factoring those in, is $89 of total monthly pledges on average per month. So with such big numbers skewing those figures, where is the most of the people falling here on which side of that $89? It's probably under the 89 because those are driving it up with such high, high numbers. But let's use $89. So all of the variables that in the past SP has talked about when you monetize, there's a whole bunch of uh, legal things and you know tax things and everything. If you are that average of $89 per month, is it worth it to you to go through all of that headache? That's, that's the question right there that I want to ask. Like, if you are on the $89 average, is that worth it to you for a month? I'm not, I'm not saying $89 isn't a lot of money, especially in current times and everything. But once you factor in all the other variables that come with it, does it remain worth it? And keep in mind, you're pro- you might be below that $89 because again, that's skewed. So I don't know. I, it's just, I thought that was really interesting given all the variables in this article, that that was like their, their banner discussion point there and how you can think about that.
0: Yeah, businesses talk in terms of return on investment. So think of a hobby podcast investment as in your time. And generally with a Patreon, there are different levels that you have to give Patreons. Now, you don't have to, but it's kind of an accepted thing. Some behind the scenes looks, some extras. So is that time that you are spending creating that extra content worth 30 a month to you in some cases it is because all you have is time and you just want that extra money to pay for your url for the year and a monthly subscription to your podcast media host service and 30 bucks a month can be a big thing to a lot of people maybe it, a little bit of that could go into a gear fund so when you need a new microphone in a year or two. There's a little bit in the savings account for that. So there are considerations to have low levels of Patreons for hobby podcasters. You have to take into consideration taxes because mm-hmm. you're earning income. So taxes are a thing there. And then in our case, if we ever had a Patreon between the two of us, Stephen's Canada, I'm in the United States. There's, there's a, how are we going to work that? Now we've talked about how to work that before. And is one of us going to be the owner of the business or the Patreon and the other one is like a paid consultant or something like that? You know, how is this exactly going to work? Those sorts of considerations are what you have to run into being hobby podcasters. One of the big reasons why we, we've we chosen not to monetize, but also we like to have fun with our podcasts and we're not beholden to anything, including advertisers to do that. Uh, I wouldn't mind having a community around a, a Patreon, to be honest with you, but Uh, There are headaches for us that probably make it difficult to say the least to monetize. So, anyway, uh, Patreon is a huge thing in hobby podcasts. More than half the hobby podcasts that I know that have lasted a year have some sort of Patreon. So, yeah, I know that y'all use Patreon and y'all have plenty of things to say. I just want to say that businesses have difficulty in. And filming this. And it's a, if film history is at 89, but you have comedy and books at the top. If you look down this list, there is, and I again encourage you as a listener to look at this list. Go find where your uh, criteria are, your topic is for your podcast, and see where you would fit in an average of all this. And uh, just take that into consideration as you make your decision.
1: And in our live chat, because we do stream live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, that's 7 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. We have Damien the DM saying we basically have an understanding with our Patreon at this point that there is no bonus content. Some teasers, maybe an early unedited listen, but also all the funds go towards the show, like art. I spend far more on the show in a month than the show makes. There you go. There's live feedback from Damien the DM, and we'd love to have you over on our Discord to discuss us further at betterpodcasting.com discord.
2: This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. All
1: right, we'll start off with a post that Chris Farrell, our co-host over on the Gunna Geek Show, member of the Gunna Geek community, he ended up uh, making a post saying a bunch of gear from Knox is on sale, including some shock mounts and pop filters. So uh, there is a sale going on as we record this today on November 30th. Who knows where it'll be by the time it releases, but Knox K-N-O-X. Been a while since we've heard about them, hey?
0: It is. It seems to be some sort of clearinghouse for podcasting gear. I mean, they have their own label. We talked about the Knox podcasting microphone a long time ago. I got one for $40. I know Damien grabbed a bunch, too. He's in the chat right now. When they first came out, they're a USB slash uh, the XLR microphone just the same as an ATR2100 or a Samsung QTU, uh, But they did a bunch of other stuff as well. So, yeah, Knox continues to be in the gear area, but not necessarily the microphone area. Yeah, because that microphone hasn't been available for years.
1: Also, we got a piece of feedback from another person in, in our uh, Better Podcasting Discord. Um, what did
0: this person have
1: to say? Uh, this person said, lesson learned. When the RodeCaster Pro 2 256 gigabyte SD card says it has eight hours left on the screen. Not enough time to fully record a uh, bed
0: beter uh, be, beta powd
1: Oh, better podcasting chat with SP. Oh,
0: yes, yes. Last night I had a great recording with Steve Barnes. And he does a podcast about the wheel of time. And we were chatting for quite a bit. I had eight hours left. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to let this ride. I'm going to see how long it takes. Unfortunately, 16 minutes before the end of the podcast, it stopped recording. And I was like, okay, I have backups. You know, I have the online backups. I stream to Twitch and YouTube. So I have those. I have the backup on StreamYard. So I had backups. It's not like I lost the recording. But I don't have the RODECaster Pro 2 recording for that last 16 minutes. The big thing though is I'm not sure how the Rodecaster Pro 2 is figuring out how much time is left on that SD card. This is the second time this has happened to me. So I don't know when to cut it. When it's it says 12 plus hours normally. So when it gets under 12 hours is that the time that I say, "Nope, can't record a podcast now." And my podcasts usually run an hour and I record before and after as well. So maybe an hour and a half to two hours, but I had eight hours. The recording went roughly an hour and a half. And that was it. So I, I don't know. I, it's just bugging me road. You're bugging me.
1: Well, the wheels are spinning here. And, and I wish I thought of this before, because this is going to make a very uninteresting podcast point, but I'm going to make it right here before everybody else writes in and suggests it. Cause I'm sure there's some techies thinking of this. Have you spot checked the actual amount of files that are on there. Have you copied the entire thing and checked the actual recorded gigabytes lines up with two fifty six? Because the, well, I mean, there are fra- fraudulent SD cards that they list as that they show as that, but they won't take it. They're actually a lesser amount. I've seen this before. If you look up reviews on Amazon of various cards that are often sold by third parties, people will say it shows as two fifty six. But you, I ran my blah, blah, blah tester tool, and it's actually only a 128. This happens.
0: So you sh- so it might, be say, it might be reading it as 256 and doing the computations as 256 instead of checking how much data that there actually is on the card.
1: Well, my understanding of this, I've never, done, never actually uh, had this happen myself. My understanding is when there are fraudulent SD cards that are sold, they basically change all the labeling as far as what the SD card presents. And if you essentially fill it up, I think this is how the testers work. I believe they fill up the SD card with false data to see how big it actually is. And a lot of times those fraudulent cards will come back saying, no, it's not. So I think you should copy all of those files. You might even be able to right click, you know, load it to, mm-hmm. to Windows and properties. select them all and, yeah. and right click properties or at least copy it over and see what it actually is. I just thought of this right now. Maybe it's the SD card.
0: Yeah, maybe it's a Samsung card though. It's a Samsung SD micro SD card. But that's then,
1: that's my my point about it is is um and I'm not putting you in the, trying to put you in the hot seat. This just this wheels just yes, start spinning sure. now. Is um they the fraudulent cards are sold as Sam, Samsungs. Um, oh, they okay. might not actually be Samsungs. Uh, in All our right. chat, we actually have Liberty Dude saying we don't buy memory cards off of Amazon because of the amount of fraud. Uh, it's the same thing I've taken on Amazon.ca. Okay. I've I've seen those reviews come up enough. I only go to local stores now, but it might not be. I might be giving about the benefit of the doubt here, but I I just it just occurred
0: to me now. Yeah, no problem. I'll check that out and I'll report back next time.
1: Yeah, take us off path there. Uh, sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no problem. We also had some feedback from Randy Walker on the Discord. He said uh, in the episode 265 feedback one thing he kind of danced around but didn't directly address was video for recording but not published. I use Squadcast for IT in the D. We have video for facial expressions slash replying, etc., but only record and publish audio. Using video to help with recording the audio. Yeah, that's exactly what we were talking about. I don't know if we actually said that, I mean, we said that right at the beginning of the episode, but I don't know if we ever said we aren't recording the video, but that is the case for a lot of podcasters where they use the video to connect, maybe even record the video, but they never use the video. They just use the audio from the podcast.
1: Yeah. And that's what we were highlighting at the beginning was all of the benefits to seeing each other in there. We actually had a bit of an interesting back and forth discussion as well. And and one of the possible pitfalls by doing that is if you're not aware that you're not having a video show and that you're an audio show, uh, you might you might not translate actions into words. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're recording a podcast and you see somebody react to something, and and they have a very large expression, and you go, "Wow, SP, you 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 must think something about that." The audio listener hasn't seen that reaction, so you almost have to rephrase that you might go sp i have a feeling you have some thoughts about this because the listener hasn't seen his reaction so how would they have any idea that he does have some thoughts another comment we got is another good use of youtube that we recently found was making shorts of our bloopers and this was from yakko oh i love bloopers gotta love me some bloopers
0: yeah, I've done it uh, recently, actually, with Anthony from Capes on the Couch. He came on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and his son came into the podcast as we were recording, and he didn't hear his son come in. And all of a sudden, his son comes over, and we're all watching it. And we see, this, see this son come from, and he's, like, in the middle of, of talking, and it was uh, on the uh, legends of shield is a clean show but it was on the edge of adult language right and then all of a sudden his son is right there he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'm like no problem anthony i got you And then i took him off screen and then we uh continued on with the podcast and then he came back and and we ended the podcast but talking about anthony he also had a feedback point here on the discord and he said if you have libsyn as we do it auto-posts to YouTube with a static image of episode artwork. We get a decent amount of traffic from the YouTube and the occasional comment even. I imagine having to do manually to do it would be more challenging.
1: And lastly, we had Gap Progman say, my two cents on posting to YouTube. Is that where your audience is? Great. Do you have the personal bandwidth to post there and more importantly, manage that? Great. If not, then, from a purely inhuman, logical perspective, don't post there. Very valid point. You got to balance that time. You really do. You got to find out what is the best. And I, I want to actually back up to talk about the bloopers thing. I love bloopers. We got some pretty fun bloopers on this show. I don't post them because it takes too much time for me to go and, As I'm editing, throw them to the end of the timeline or whatever. I, I just don't want to. I want to delete them, get them out of my of my section, and edit the podcast. And move on that's that's what I want to do so it takes too much time for me to, to, sh- to use those elsewise I don't know maybe if we had a Patreon I would
0: yeah I when I'm editing like uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. what I'll do is I'll actually render the blooper right there as I'm going through it and then I'll post it on YouTube as uh, unlisted and then I'll share it with a few people to start out with and that does take extra time. That takes time away from editing the show. So if I'm on a time crunch, that doesn't happen. I just edit the show as fast as I can and get it out there, get it uploaded both to YouTube and to uh, whatever media host that I'm using. And yeah, it's it's a time bandwidth at that point.
1: Summary here is I'm lazy. SP is not.
0: I'm less lazy. <laughs> I'm still lazy. Well, th-
1: thanks to everybody who has checked out the show. If you got some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Come on over to our, our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can still check out the Better Podcasting Twitter over at twitter.com slash betterpod. You can find us at facebook.com slash betterpodcasting. Or you can find us on Mastodon. Really hard to do that. Mastodon's weird. Uh, come on over and check out betterpodcasting.com or email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. We would love to hear from you. And hey, while you are thinking about writing us and sending us a lovely message and giving us fantastic feedback, or more likely negative feedback, let's be real here,
2: you should go ahead
1: and chime in on our next week's episode, which will be the last week before we get into our gear episodes, which is that ideas aren't always original. We're going to (gasps) talk about how. Sometimes your idea is not going to be an original idea for your podcast, and that's okay. So you can go ahead and write us your thoughts about that. We'd love to incorporate that when we record next week's episode. And then, yeah, like I said, we're right into the gear episodes. Our favorite time of year might be a little bit different this year. Yes, we have had uh, new gear additions, but we've also had some removals. We might look a little bit at the removals too.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, about that topic for next week, I'm looking at our show notes. It's, it's like it's half done. I mean, there's, there's a whole half that needs to be filled in. So please get me your stuff so I can fill in the show notes so Stephen doesn't yell at me. I don't <laughs> like it when Stephen yells at me.
1: You know what, though? Uh, we're just not going to have an original idea for the next week's episode. That idea is someone else's. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Someone <laughs> probably has somewhere, but... Uh, we came up with ourselves so come on over to betterpodcasting.com and check out the back catalog including better podcasting chats with sp so for episode number 266 of better podcasting i'm steven john drew and in canadian fashion i'm apologizing that you had to hear my sick voice over the last hour
0: and i'm sp saying if you have a community and you create a podcast have fun with it and let us know how you did
2: We'll see everybody, next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.